Welcome to the Nuclear Families Evangelist, a podcast that debunks the mythologies of biology by exploring the unique dynamics and relationships of blended families. It's time to unlock the hidden superpower of being blended. So here's your host, Tracy Doherty Shanklin. I have a fantastic show today. I am hosting two exceptional guests. My first guest, Heather Hetchler, returns to the podcast. She's a columnist at Stepmom Magazine, a wife, a mom, a stepmom, and a thought leader and coach for blended families with Learning to Step, an e-learning platform for blended families. Hi, Heather. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Tracy. It's good to be here. My second guest is Ed Fargo. He has over 20 years of experience in the financial services industry and is the founder of Burning River Advisory Group, a boutique wealth management firm that specializes in working with women experiencing significant life events, divorce, retirement, widowhood. He is also the founder of Enlighten Her, a new women-first financial education and coaching company. Hi, Ed, and welcome to the show. Hey, Tracy. Good to be here. So before we get started, Ed, my audience knows Heather, but I would love um, for you to share with our listeners what Burning River is and its core mission. Yeah, thanks. I'd love to spend a few moments. Burning River Advisory Group is my wealth management business. We've been in practice for 20 plus years, and during that time, we've spent most of it working predominantly with single women and women-led households. I wouldn't say exclusively, but predominantly. So that makes us somewhat of a unicorn in the financial services industry. It is an industry that's very male-focused. And a big part of our mission is to try and make personal finance more accessible for women in particular. And as an offshoot of that, we've also started a new company called Enlighten Her. And Enlighten Her was has grown from this idea that women need to be more empowered when it comes to money. You know, and as a wealth professional, wealth manager with Burning River, our ability to work with large groups of people is limited, right? That's a very personal business. It's very much one-on-one. So at most, we can work with maybe a couple hundred households. And that's not nearly enough to make a, a real impact across, you know, the spectrum of women. And so Enlighten Her was designed and developed to try and bring our knowledge of personal finance, instead of being helping just a few people, but making it more of the big tent, trying to reach women. We call it kind of like starting out and starting over. Our focus really is on, say, starting out would be someone new to finance, whether you're a kid graduating from college and starting to learn about the world of finance, or maybe you've ended a marriage and you're looking to start over and get going and take the bull by the horns when it comes to the financial side of things. So. That's really where our passion and our focus lies today is trying to educate on a much broader level versus maybe what I've done in the past 20 years. I love this, really love this, because this is something that I had actually tested as a business idea in my niche. So my niche is in the multi-employer benefit funds world. And I feel like retirement literacy is a real problem because you've got a lot of union members that just don't even know what they have. They have these retirement plans and are not really sure what they're going to have upon retirement, which I think is a really huge need. So I love, and I have two daughters and I myself am a woman, obviously, 
who, in spite of working in the financial services industry, has really taken very little ownership of my financial picture. And that's something that I want to get into as we progress in this conversation, because I don't think that's an uncommon thing. I think society, and for other reasons, has dictated the way women have approached finances. And so this is exciting. So how did the two of you meet? I was actually at a networking event for women. And I sat next to this lovely woman, Milena, and we started talking and I was sharing with her what I do for blended families and women going through divorce. She is a co-partner with Ed. She shared with me what she did and we just really hit it off. Neither of us joined the networking group, but we became friends and I was invited to share on Second Saturdays, which is an in-person workshop that Ed offers for women going through divorce. So it's a wonderful program in person, three hours. They bring in a mental health expert. That's where I came in, a financial expert, which is where they come in, and an attorney. And we sit with women and we talk about all three areas and we educate them. And I just was so impressed with the work that Ed and Melena were doing and just kept working with them and connecting with them and love the whole mission of Enlighten Her. And as, as a woman and as an educated woman myself, I, I shared with them one day, I didn't really know anything about money, right? I was raised in a house where get married and your husband will handle the finance. And here I was, college graduate, master's degree, had no clue what I was doing. And I was embarrassed to ask for help because I thought I was supposed to have my stuff together. And then when my first marriage ended, I was really clueless about how to start over. And I had to get my act together. And I wish I would have had something like Enlighten Her to help me. And so I'm just really passionate about what this offers to women, what this can help us do for our daughters, and just the importance of what Enlighten Her brings, because it's just such an unmet need. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about it. So I guess what courses does Enlighten Her teach? If you could just give me an outline, that would be great. Yeah, up to this point, we've primarily held these divorce workshops. So that's where it started. And we're, we're still currently doing those divorce workshops several times a year. And actually, right now, we're in the midst of putting together an online divorce course. So we just had a meeting of the minds the other day with all of the professionals involved. So there's attorneys, divorce attorneys, mental health therapists, financial advisors. And we're putting together a divorce course to help women, no matter where they are in the process. So think of it if you're pre-stages, you're thinking that your, your marriage may not pan out the way you, you would like. And so this idea of divorce is starting to come online in your thinking and you don't know anything about it, right? So we're going to develop a course designed for that stage of the process. And then of course, as you progress through this, there's the, you're in the midst of it and your needs when you're in the middle of divorce is very different than when you're at the front end of it. And so we're going to develop a second course in association with the first. And then finally we have post-divorce. Now that we're at the end of this process, I'm looking to set forth on this new life. What do I need to do? There are three separate courses that you could step into a la carte, or you could look at getting them all together to help you navigate through the entire process. So we're immersed in that right now. And then coming online thereafter, once we get through this, is we're going to probably focus on that starting out course. And that's really taking this mindset of, hey, I'm graduating from college. I'm looking to take on the world. But, oh, yeah, this money stuff. What do I need to know about this money stuff? Because, you know, I have five daughters. So, you know, and my girls are between the ages of 16 and 23. 
And so they're basically that person, right? And so as a financial professional, I'm looking at, well, what do they know about money? They know what I've modeled for them. They know what I've taught them being around me all the time, but they still wouldn't know how to go out and select benefits, how to choose retirement plans. They, do, they don't really know how to think about money. And you think about that, like how much money matters in every aspect of our life. And, and yet you mentioned financial literacy and how there's a real problem with financial literacy. It's very true. And so these kids are getting these first jobs and they have no idea what to do with their money. But if we could get to them early, get the foundation built, help them understand how to not make the mistakes that a lot of us have made over the years, they would be so much better prepared for every other area of their life. You know, money can't make you happy, but it can certainly help keep you from being stressed out and anxious and poor and going down a bad path. So that's a long way of answering the next course coming online is probably going to be this start, quote unquote, starting out course for college grads. It sounds like your core coaching at the moment is divorced women and the young person just coming out of college. Is that correct? That's accurate. Yep. So we think of it as like transitions, you know, where where money and life intersect, those transitions are really important. And from Burning River's perspective, my wealth management business, our focus is squarely in those moments, those complicated moments where life and money intersect and where money's complicated enough on its own. But when you have these major life events, divorce, death of a spouse, you're transitioning into retirement, you know, the, the stakes are so much higher and it's so much more complicated, right? So getting good professional support and guidance is critical. And then from the Enlighten Her side, we're, we're kind of taking that mindset with these transitions of obviously divorce is a major transition. And then just getting started, that's a transition. It's not as obvious though. You know, it's not a sudden like crisis. And that's why it doesn't get enough attention, right? When, when you have something that's a crisis that's kind of thrust upon you, you pay attention. You have no choice but to pay attention. Divorce is one of those things. But just when you come out of school or if you're just trying to do the right thing with money, there's no crisis, you know? So the urgency to get something done just isn't there, which is why these problems persist. And why women haven't made the gains in the world of finance nearly as much as they have in other areas of their life. And so it's something somewhat unique and we're just trying to be on the front end of that solution. I believe that a crisis is looming as evident by the significant economic events coming faster. And I believe that that retirement crisis in America will be one of these crises. Like, it's just, I, I don't think we are teaching our kids how important it is to plan for the future. And I wanted to add, too, for those of you that are listening at Stepmoms, I recently did a two-part article interview with Ed for Stepmom Magazine. And it's an excellent resource for women to start, for stepmoms in particular, to start looking at finances from the context of the blended family. And actually, if you go to enlightenher.com backslash stepmom, we have dedicated a whole page for stepmoms. So we do work with all women and, and you know, stepmoms do have a different layer of complexity when it comes to finances in their families. And so there are resources specifically outlined on that page that will help stepmoms. So if you are thinking about, you know what, yeah, finances are a big stressor in our family, or I really want to teach my stepdaughters. I really want to teach my daughters. There's some excellent resources there that they can go to. Thank you. And we'll do put a link to that in our show notes. So for the, our listeners, please check out the show notes. I brought the two of you together really to talk about, as we know, this taboo subject of 
finance, <laughs> the, the dreaded F word, if you will. I, again, have spent 20 years in finance and I have, as I've said, a deep concern about financial literacy. So I think this is a critical topic for blended families, but frankly, all families will benefit from this. So money is one of the top reasons that couples break up and and or file for divorce. So why do you think money or finance is often a dirty word with married couples and especially blended families? Money in general, is, it's difficult for people to talk about money for whatever reason, right? There's just not enough communication around how money's handled in a relationship. Part of that is men and women think about money very differently. And if you were to do any research on it or think about this more directly, like when women think about money, their perspective tends to come from, what will this money do for me? What role does it play in my life? Will it allow me to not have to work forever? Will it allow me to take care of my kids? Will I be able to take care of my family or do some things that are for my lifestyle? And men tend to think about a little bit more tangibly, like they're focused more on like, how much money can I make, right? What's the return on investment? It's a measuring stick. It's more of a yardstick for how they're measuring their own success. And neither way is right or wrong. It's just a difference in terms of how we connect with money. And so there, there isn't that recognition that money means different things to different people. And so what naturally happens in a lot of relationships is that the more interested party does more of that work, right? So if you're more interested in money as a husband, let's just go through the stereotype, but it's there for a reason, right? So like if you're a woman coming into this and you just don't connect with money, you don't really like it that much. And the guy's, oh, I kind of like this. I'm interested in the return. Like, and I measure my success by that. You have a tendency to turn that money decision over to the spouse, to the husband. And so now what we have, and you live your life, you do this in all other areas of your life, right? You have a division of labor in terms of how household chores and kids and those kinds of things. The money's just another part of that. But what that does, it sets up a situation where there's not much dialogue, right? No one's really talking about money. And so now that sets up an imbalance in your lives. And as you start to get in, and because money has a special place in our life, right? Money is unlike anything else in that it's fungible, meaning it can be readily turned into something else. Think about that. Think if there's, is there anything else in your life that you could just take and turn it into whatever you want? There really isn't, right? But money is. So if you want a greater education, you can go get better educated. If you want to go on a vacation, you can buy a vacation. You can do all sorts of things with money. And so the power that it holds in our lives is paramount. It's above all else. And so what ends up happening in, in these relationships is that when we spend money inappropriately, or if we're not talking about how we spend money, we attribute like we're, we're getting a divorce because of money, but it's not really the money that's the problem. It's our lack of, of conversation around what is that money doing for us? Like the wife might be thinking we should be putting our money towards our kid's college education. And he might be thinking that maybe we should put it towards vacation because that's it's for the family. But there's no communication. But so they blame it on these money issues, but it really is they're not on the same page with values and how they use their money and communication. And then they fight over money, but it's really not the money. Again, they're fighting over the use of money. And if we keep focusing on money as the problem instead of our ability to communicate and getting on the same page with how we should be using this money in the context of our lives, the problem doesn't get solved. And it often doesn't get solved. If that makes any sense. No, it totally makes sense. I'm wondering if blended families actually are at an advantage here, because if Heather's work is to come to fruition, which I'm sure it does in many cases, 
people enter these blended families with a lot, you know, more of eyes wide open. And are you finding that this is an easier conversation? Maybe, Heather, you can address this for couples either newly in, in a blended family or in a blended family that has come to you because things weren't working. Are they more open to having the conversation, the real conversation about what is this money supposed to do for us? So Tracy, that is a good question. And, you know, what I found in working with uh, stepmoms and families, especially as they're preparing to blend, is they are talking about oh, all those topics, right? They're talking about how are we going to merge our money? Are we going to have separate accounts? Are we going to put our money together? How are we going to parent? Where are we going to live? They are talking about all those. But just like they have those conversations about, okay, what kind of kids do we want to raise? They oftentimes don't talk about the tactics. So they have that overall kind of strategy agreement. Okay, we want to raise accountable, honest, compassionate kids. But maybe dad has a more permissive way of parenting and stepmom has a more rigid way, right? So their tactics aren't aligned. The same thing can happen with money. They want to save. They want to compartmentalize what they pay for, but they oftentimes don't talk about the tactics. And I think, well, I know what happens a lot of times in step families is something that Ed talks a lot about is financial infidelity. Step families, let's just say an example, stepmom is upset because ex-wife keeps asking for more money, right? Husband tells their, his wife, she wants more. She wants us to pay for soccer camp. She wants us to pay. You know, the stepmom feels disrespected. She feels like they're getting taken advantage of. She gets upset. She ends up fighting with her husband. So what happens? He stops telling his wife what's going on because he wants to keep his ex-wife happy so he can keep his, his wife happy. Then the kid comes over, hey, mommy's so happy you paid for soccer camp. And the stepmom's like, you did, you did what? Because he took cash out and paid, for, paid her. So now we're fighting because it's not even about the money. It's about the disrespect. It's about the lying. And we see a lot of that in step families to minimize and neutralize arguments we start giving and using money in ways that we're not sharing with our spouse. Yeah. And that's something that we, we definitely are going to dive into because I think it's a very common theme. And as Heather knows, Ed, I come from a blended family and I'm also in a blended family. I have the perspective of this happening to me on both sides where I was the recipient of this infidelity in terms of being a child who actually got something that the stepmom didn't know I got. And then I also have the situation where it happened with my husband. I, I want to back up to what you, your point earlier, Ed, about children learning habits from their parents and the concerns that we all share about how we are financially preparing and educating our children. At least with mine, they play games that give them money to spend or allow them to make $500 in the game for delivering pizza. How can parents teach responsible money management and skills within the confines of what they're looking at and both to our children and our stepchildren? Do you have thoughts around that? Yeah, I definitely do. I think the most important thing, first, I think a lot of parents put pressure on themselves in this area, in a lot of areas in parenting, but in this area in particular, I don't know anything about money. I don't want to teach them the wrong thing. And so they don't do anything. So they're concerned about harming them more than they are helping them in that 
in that case. And I think just relax. Just you're not going to mess up your kid when it comes to money. You don't need to be a PhD in finance. So uh, to teach them some very core things. And that's all you really need to do. The, the younger they are, the less complicated it needs to be. So I think the first thing is just to model the model good behavior, model what you think is important for them to know about money. Okay. And so, of course, that begs the question, what should they know about money? I think from the earliest stages, we want to teach our kids about, about spending money on things that are meaningful to you, right? Like, because we have a limited supply of dollars. We all have a limited supply of money. So we can't just spend our money on anything we want and expect to be happy. So we need to just figure out, okay, what's really important to us? And as you as parents, if you model that and in your language and what you do, that's going to be more important than anything you could possibly do. So I'll use myself as an example, right? So I haven't sat down with my kids and say, oh, here's how personal finance works. A to Z, here's what you should do. We've never done that before. But what they know, what they've learned over the years is that spending money, they don't like to spend money on just stuff. Like they, they don't want to like my, <laughs> my 20 year old or 21 year old. She's like, if a shirt costs more than $7, I'm not buying it. $7 for a shirt where you can buy a shirt for seven bucks. Well, if you go to the thrift store, you can, right? So she's not concerned about buying clothing and spending a lot of money for it, but she likes to go out and eat, like to dine out with friends and family. So she'll spend money on that experience. Okay. So in our family, we spend money on things like experiences, doing stuff together, enjoying time together, but we're not big on buying a bunch of stuff. We don't have the latest iPhones. We don't drive the fanciest cars. We don't live in the nicest houses, or the biggest houses, those types of things. But we take vacations that are probably far and away nicer, if you want to say it that way, than what other people might do, especially with a family of seven. So the point to that is, is we as a family, my wife and I decided that, look, we're willing to put our money. What's important to us is the development of our kids, our family structure, and spending time together, creating experiences and lifelong memories. That's really important to us. And so we will put an inordinate amount of our money toward those experiences. Conversely, what we don't value is, you know, as an example, we don't drive fancy cars. And people love their cars and that's not a value judgment at all. It's just saying that we sat down, we figured out what was important to us, and then we aligned our money decisions with that. Now that takes zero financial knowledge, right? It just takes an understanding of who you are, what's important to you, and then demonstrating those behaviors to your kids. And so I think that's so important. And when we talk about money, we're not afraid to talk about money in front of our kids. We don't vilify money. We don't worship it. We don't knock people who have, who have a lot of money, who don't have money. We don't put any value judgments on money. Because sometimes this, this happens more so I think with women than men, but sometimes we can vilify money. You know, like the pursuit of money is bad. We shouldn't talk about money. That's not proper. And all those things hold people back. Money is so important in our life that we should be talking about it and we should communicate about it. The value part is not placing it on a pedestal and saying we should hold money above all else. And so it is a circular conversation mm -hmm. at the end of the day, but it begins and ends with our values, what's important to us. And then knowing that the better we are at aligning our money with those values, chances are the better our life trajectory is going to be. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, it, it corresponds to this idea when you are trying to find your purpose, right? You have to know what your vision is. And I think that's, it's the exact same idea is by knowing or know what your core values are. But 
core values for money may be like integrity or never lying or on, you know, honesty is a core value. But what about what is my core value around money? And that's that is a very good place to start for our listeners is to think, what is it that I really want this dollar to do for me? And then and does that align with what my value is or my deepest desire is in terms of my financial picture. I have a question for you, Heather. Does a parent and a step-parent need to approach their children and their stepchildren differently or the same when they're dealing with money matters or conversations around money? Do you think as a step-parent, are you addressing it slightly differently with your stepchildren than you are with your own children? I think it's almost really dependent on the family. And you have to have a relationship with your child to be able to talk about those types of topics. And so for some step parents, that may work. If they have a very healthy, close relationship, that may work. But if they don't, it's much better for the biological or adoptive or foster parent to talk to the child um, about, especially about a topic like that, than it would be. I think the most important thing is really to see their parent and their step parent alone to see them both practicing healthy money um, habits. And I do think for women that if you, as a stepmom, if you do have a healthy relationship with your stepdaughter, you can be a good and positive role model when it comes to money. But if you don't have that relationship, don't beat yourself up. And she's watching, she's picking up on things and just continue to model what, you know, how it looks like to have a healthy relationship with your money. I think that's the important piece for me, and it was a transition I made as a step-parent, is really this idea of modeling. As a step-parent, you have a limitation on how much impact you can have. I actually think this is true for your own children as well, because they get to a certain age and your impact starts to lessen, or they're not listening in the same way, but they are always, always, always watching. So really good advice. We are going to pause our conversation with Heather and Ed here, but we will return in the next episode to dive deeper into financial infidelity. Heather and Ed will share their thoughts and tips for blended families learning to communicate honestly and effectively about finances. You won't want to miss it. I'd like to also thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Nuclear Families Evangelists where we enlist experts in humor to help unlock our hidden superpower of being blended. Like you, I live and breathe my nuclear families every day. I am a wife, a mother through marriage, a mother again through adoption, and a daughter, half-sister, and stepsister from my very own eccentric family with multiple marriages, multiple divorces, and multiple blended families. See you on the next episode of the Nuclear Families Evangelists, where we debunk the mythologies of biology with a lot of love, forgiveness, and humor, one conversation at a time. If you're a seeker looking for answers, we'd love to have you join our blended little family by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. Want to continue the conversation after the podcast? Join our email list by visiting our website at nuclear-families.com. We'll see you next time on the Nuclear Families Evangelist.
Sisu Partners LLC hosts the Nuclear Families Evangelist podcast, which contains content and discussions that have been prepared for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. No listener should assume that any discussion on this podcast serves as a recipe of or substitute for personalized advice from an investment professional or licensed medical professional, as the information provided on this podcast is not intended to be investment, legal, tax, or medical advice. The company is not an SEC-registered investment advisor and does not solicit clients or raise capital for money managers. Sisu Partners offers securities through XT Capital Partners, LLC.